Hi, everyone. Thanks for checking out the Thrive Podcast. We are the Young Adult Ministry at Maranatha Bible Church, and we meet on Wednesdays at 730 in our Family Life Center. If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love for you to post it to your Instagram story and tag us at NBC Thrive on Instagram. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy. Hey, guys. Well, welcome to Thrive. Um, we got to go a little bit old school tonight. The over-the-ear mic's not working, but that's fine. Um, so, as you see on the screen, I am Jeremiah Sanders. I'll get in the middle here, so I don't feel like I'm favoring anybody. But tonight, we are back in our series of Jonah uh, running from the Redeemer. And Christian opened us up last week, and uh, he gave us a lot of background um, in the beginning of chapter 1. And I'm going to finish chapter 1 with you guys tonight. Um, by a show of hands, has anyone here ever known the right thing to do, but have not actually done it? If you're not raising your hand, you either didn't listen to me, and you're a liar, and you should have been raising your hand. But at one time or another, everyone in this room has known the right thing to do and not done it. Um, I'm going to share a time in my life when this was true about me, when I did, knew the right thing to do, but didn't actually do it. When I was a child, um, my mother would always give an expectation uh, about our toys and whenever we cl- uh, play with our toys that we clean them up afterwards, right? Uh, as any good mother would because she wants her house clean. Um, so with this, there was a consequence outcome afterwards, a you know, little swat on the hind end. And any of the, if you ask any of the Sanders boys, they would back this up. Um, I'm not here trying to say if like corporal punishment is good or not or whatever, but this is just the story, and yeah. Um, so at this point in my life, I'm you know, a young guy, but I was a believer. I was saved at like six years old. Um, and I knew a big thing was being a Christian was listening to your parents. It's actually, I think, like a commandment or something. Like, was that like number five? I think number five. But um, so one day, I'm playing with these toys, you know, doing my little kid thing, and my mom told me, okay, it's time to clean up, and it's uh, the time, time to do whatever we had to do, and of course, with my wisdom as a child, where I'm, you know, six or seven years old, I'm like, my mom, she is the nicest person alive. She's not going to spank me on the hind end. It's not going to happen. Um, she's the nice parent, and, <laughs> and after multiple warnings, my mom's like, all right, it, it's time. You're going to get a spanking for not listening to me. And before I knew it, these words escaped my mouth. Mom, I am not worried about you spanking me because you don't spank as hard as Dad does. And, yeah, uh, not wise. And my mom's mouth was just, like, gaping, like, just, you know, like, full open. And I took off running for some reason, you know, because, I don't know, I was a bad kid. But... Uh, I have never got swatted harder probably in my life than from my mom after that. Um, But what's the point of me sharing this story? Jeremiah is running around getting spanked by his mom. What's what's the point? Um, The point is, is I knew what was the right thing to do, but I chose not to do it. And Jonah, Jonah knew the right thing to do was to follow God. Go to Nineveh and do directly what God told him to do. And he didn't do it. And in this study, 
uh, we want everyone to grasp that there's points in our lives that we run from God and don't do what he wants us to do when we know what he wants us to do. And sometimes this is unintentionally, like we all, we all do that. Um, and for some of you in this room, you've had a scenario where you know God wants you to share the gospel with somebody. You've been a Christian and um, you maybe don't do it because you're scared. And that's, that's wrong. You know if God's leading you to share the gospel with someone, you should be doing that. For some of you in this room, you just like where you're at. Like, it's cool. I don't need to grow in my faith, even though God calls me to do so daily. Um, I'm comfortable with choosing my sin and just normal life over God. That's some of you in this room. Some of you in this room maybe just be here and you're like, I don't even know who God is. And, yeah, I, I'm not running from anybody. What do you mean? Um, <clears throat> but to bring this all together, you know, my point with this, there's a point in all of our lives that we've all been running from God or uh, we've known the right thing to do and not done it. And this is where we are with Jonah. So he's choosing to do the wrong thing. So he's supposed to go to Nineveh, right? The word of God came to him, as Christian talked about last week. He's supposed to go to Nineveh, over here. Where does he go? He's trying to go to Tarshish, which is all the way over here. And this isn't very accurate, you know, to scale. Like, map not to scale, because... Uh, you know, the Middle East is all the way over here, and Tarshish is like at the end of the known world. So he's trying to get as far away from what God told him to do as possible. And we pick up here, um, in the middle of this great storm that the Lord hurled on uh, the, the Mediterranean here. And I'm going to pick up in the text in chapter 7, read it here. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots, that we know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I am Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew he was fleeing the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea, then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that the, this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to get back to dry land, but they could not. For the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. So that's the text there. Um, I'm going to give you a couple main points tonight as we go along, and we'll go back to the text as we examine them all. Point number one, God is in control over his creation. God has sovereignty over his creation. Um, to begin at verse 7, this is a very small thing to see, but of course I'm going to build from this. Um, we see that the sailors in Jonah cast lots to see whose fault it was for the storm. And this was a practice, you know, with casting lots, where you draw stones out of a container, and whoever, however they want to do it, like smallest, biggest stone, um, that's the person that was in the wrong there. And, of course, it fell on Jonah. And all you guys are like, big whoop, 
Jonah drew the wrong rock. It was a coincidence. Nah. God was working even in the small detail of the story. Now, I don't want to hinge this whole point on just the casting lots thing, because that's very, like, random, right? Um, so let, let's keep reading uh, so I can keep building this point here. Um, so verse 8 and verse 9, the sailors asked Jonah, what's your occupation? Where do, you, where do you work, bro? Like, where do you come from? What's your country, and what people are you? And Jonah replies, I am Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. So when he answers this, I fear the Lord the, of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. You realize Jonah willingly went onto a ship and he believes in the Lord that created the seas? Dude, like, what are you thinking? Your God created the seas and you're going to go jump on a boat with us? How dumb are you? I mean, he's already foolish. He's run away from God, you know, that whole thing. But he believes in this guy that created the seas and he's going to jump onto a boat which is on the sea. Like, your God's not going to have control over that? Really, Jonah? Really? Um, but back to my point, though, Jonah makes the point here that he serves the God who made the sea and the dry land. And as creator God, he's going to have control over his universe. And um, in verse 4, which Christian covered last week, it says that the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. And look at the beginning of this verse here. Who was the one that hurled a great wind on the sea? Was it Jonah? Yeah, right. Thanks, Nick. It was the Lord. It, was, it wasn't all these, it wasn't the sailors, it wasn't Poseidon, it wasn't whoever, it was the Lord. And the, the Lord is the one who created it and is control over his creation. Now, to jump down at the last verse of this, it says that the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. So, and a fish would be a part of God's creation. God has control over his creation. So what does this mean for you, though? Like, you guys are getting it. I, yeah, God created the whole world. I've heard this before. He's creator and in control, and he indeed is. Hopefully for all you today, it means that you can have rest and encouragement in this life, that um, God is in control, and you can rest and trust in him. And just because something is hard in this life does not mean that God's not in control. Believe it or not, guys, it's going to be a shocker. Sometimes God lets us go through tough seasons and tough things for our betterment. And I wanted to also look at some verses tonight talking about how God is sovereign overall. So you know how that, I made that little point at the beginning about casting lots and how I didn't want to hinge the whole lesson on it? Well, here's a verse talking about casting lots. So in Proverbs, which is actually a wisdom book, talks about randomness a little bit. The lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord. Even in the randomness, the, ca the casting of lots, which is random, God is in control of that. Isn't that crazy? I, I find that so crazy. It, when Proverbs is a book that's so much about wisdom and how setting up your life wisely is going to produce a great life. But it, in this proverb, it's talking about how even God is in control of the randomness, not even just like in times where you're wise and set up your life. He's in control even of the randomness of life. So, also, Colossians 1, 16 through 17, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So you see in Colossians here that the Lord created everything and how it holds together. 
things that are seen and unseen. God is working this great plan together, you know, in this whole Bible story and like even within our lives now. And he's in control of all things and he's going to use things in creation and his created things to accomplish his plan. God was still planning to use Jonah at this point. Sorry, it's a spoiler. You'll have to get with Christian and Nolan and everybody else that's talking in the next couple weeks. But God's still planning to use Jonah at this point. Um, which brings me to my next point of the night, which is God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. Hear me again. God uses imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. Now let's get back into the text as we examine this next point. So in verse 10, it says that the sailors grew exceedingly afraid. Not just a little bit, exceedingly afraid. The sailors then asked to Jonah, what is this that you've done? They didn't know that Jonah was fleeing the Lord. So of course they're going to already blame Jonah, like, bro, you're running from God. Of course it's going to be your fault. Um, And... Jonah replies to them when they ask him, what, what do you need us to do? Just to throw him into the sea. Hurl him in. Because it's his fault and it will stop. One thing I want to take a second to examine here. So you might be thinking, hey, this is super selfless. Jonah's ready to sacrifice himself for these people. And as one speaker put it, this actually might be the most selfish act Jonah has done to date. He's about to kill himself, okay? He wants these guys to throw him in. He goes in, he dies, he drowns, whatever. Maybe a shark eats him, great fish. Yeah, but that actually did happen. But um, he wants to die. And you're you're like, oh, he's a prophet. He's doing a selfless thing. No, this might be his most selfish act yet because he would not have to do what God told him to do. This is how bad Jonah did not want to go and talk to the Ninevites. He would kill himself rather than go. But God still wanted to use Jonah. Why, God? This guy is running from you, literally trying to get to the other side of the world, but you still want to use him. Why? I don't know. He's God. So, But um, he'd just be free from this task. Um, but the sailors, which is crazy, the sailors who you're like, oh, these guys are pagans. They don't believe in the one true God. They don't want innocent blood on their hands. And this is the irony in part of the book of Jonah. People do not act like you would expect them to act. The pagan sailors, they're like, hey, we don't want to kill an innocent guy. You're thinking, oh, they're pirates. They want to make them walk the plank, and that's fine. Like, I would want them to die. Like, pagan sailors would want them to die. Jonah, a prophet of God, he should care about people. He should want to go and talk to people, right? That's what you would expect out of a prophet. But... Jonah's like, oh, I'm going to go all the way over here. No, God, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. The pagan sailors. Hey, God, uh, I don't want innocent blood on my hands. And um, the sailors here, actually, crazy thing, they tried to save, like, they're rowing back to shore during the middle of the storm. Um, I don't know if any of you guys like, like to work out or anything in here, but... I like doing the rowing machine at, because it's like cardio, but you don't have to run. I don't like running at all. Um, but it's cardio, you don't have to run. Could you imagine, like, if the rowing machine at the gym, there was like a, I mean, like the cardio row machine, there was like a storm setting? You know, I, I do like setting 10, you know, the highest setting or whatever, but 
Could you imagine if there was like a storm setting? I'm just going there. I'm like dying. Like, is this what, it, what it's like? They're trying to row back the shore, and they're trying, literally, they're straining, trying to do their hardest to not kill Jonah. They don't want to kill Jonah. They don't want the innocent blood on their hands, which builds this irony here of these guys should, like, not care, right? They're, they're pagan sailors, these mariners. They don't believe in God. And the crazy thing here is that they fear God greatly in this moment. And we see the sailors actually believe in God. They make a sacrifice to him. It says they fear God greatly. And God uses Jonah to, like, almost, like, save these people. Now, I don't know what happened to them after it. Did they live for God the rest of their life? I don't know. But in this moment, these people believed in the one true God. And it's insane. And instead of death, here when Jonah gets thrown in, God still plans to use him in the future. He gets swallowed by the, the great fish. He's in there for three days and three nights. But we get to see later, again, another spoiler alert, that he uses Jonah to bring the nation of Nineveh to repentance. And God has always been in this practice of using imperfect people to accomplish his perfect plan. This prophet Jonah, guys, I don't know if you can't tell by even just the first chapter, he is a selfish and bitter guy. A prophet of God, selfish and bitter guy, not listening to God, disobedient. Runs from God, but God is still going to use him. David, the man after God's own heart. A man that at times let passions and sinful desires get the best of him. Someone in his lineage blessed the entire world. Jesus. Abraham. A man God would use to bless the nations. At times he struggled to trust God and made unwise and sinful decisions when he was afraid. I could sit here and go on and on for hours about, I could go through the whole Old Testament, New Testament, imperfect people that God used to accomplish his perfect plan. If God can use these guys, there was girls too in the Bible he used. I don't want to be, you know, he used everybody. There's imperfect women that he used, and he's still going to use imperfect men and women today. And the point is, if he was in the practice then, he's still in this practice now. He's the same God. He can use you, and he can use me as well. The question is here, and I, I should have sent a slide for this. It's kind of a gut check. Are you going to choose to go after God or choose to go after the things of this world? There's only one exception to this main point above here, that God uses imperfect people to accomplish perfect plan. And that's the person of Jesus. Jesus was completely perfect, and he was fully man and fully God. Unlike Jonah, you know, this like selfish, bitter man, Jesus would give his life up selfish, or selflessly for the sins of the world. We can be reminded how much God loves you and he loves me by John 15, 13. Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. And Jesus exemplified this when he laid down his life on the cross 
for you and for me. And like Jonah, he would spend three days and three nights in the pits of the earth. But Jesus would emerge victorious over death. And he loves you so much that he did that for you. And because of this selfless act, we can receive this free gift of salvation. All you need to do is choose Jesus. Personally, I don't know where I would be in my life without him. And you will regret not choosing to follow Jesus. I have some applications tonight. Since God is in control, we should have peace in the storms of life that you're in. Whatever you're going through, there is a God who loves you, sent his son to die for you, and wants to have a relationship with you. And he wants to walk through this crazy thing called life with you. Something that's more, that's, that's really encouraging is that God can use you in his plan. Believe it or not, he wants to and he can use you in his plan. But you need to trust him and follow in obedience. And that was application number two here. And what does that look like? Trusting him and following in obedience, right? So, like Mike would always say, you live under the book. Reading our word daily. In prayer, daily. Loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, daily. And when God shows you what he wants you to do, and you know the right thing to do, you should choose the right thing to do. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for this day. Lord, I just want to thank you that uh, in the storms of life that we can run to you, Lord, that we can cast our worries, our anxieties, and everything on you. Lord, I pray um, that if there are people that are struggling in the storms of life right now, Lord, that you be with them and comfort them and that they could cry out to you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you encourage anyone that is struggling here tonight, that um, you reassure them that you do want to use them and that you do love them and you do care for them. Lord, I pray for any believer that may be in a tumultuous time in their faith, that they would run to you and seek obedience and follow after you with everything they got, Lord. Lord, thank you for sending your son to die for everyone here. In your son's holy name, amen.